Motherhood has been used to oppress and exploit women for centuries, but it doesn't have to be this way. And as mothers, we're ready for a revolution. We love our kids, but we struggle with losing our identities, bearing the weight of motherhood without enough support, and striving to meet those impossible standards of what it means to be a good mother. It's time to openly discuss how motherhood is deeply affected by patriarchy, racism, and capitalism, so that we can break free of these systems. As mothers, we know our work is valuable and has radical potential to birth a more equitable and inclusive future for ourselves and our children. Welcome to the Rebel Mothers Podcast. I'm your host, Susie Fishleader, and together we'll explore the challenges of modern motherhood and reclaim mothering as an act of liberation. Hello. So today I thought, since the winter solstice is just a few days away, it would be extremely clever of me to take the metaphor of winter and apply it to motherhood. Of course, this doesn't work unless I develop the metaphor of all the seasons. So in this episode of Rebel Mothers, we're going to talk about the different seasons of motherhood. Because as my kids start to get older, I've realized that a lot of the resources out there for moms are for mothers of babies or young children. There's less out there for moms of tweens, teenagers, or adult children, or you know, how to be a mother to multiple children of different ages. And I totally get that, right? The early days are often the most intense. You, you need a lot of support then. But this podcast is for moms of all the children, all the moms, wherever you are in your mothering journey. So while today we are going to look mostly at what it means to be in the winter of your motherhood, I will come back to this metaphor of seasons again, and we can develop this idea to apply it to really every phase of your mothering journey. And remember, motherhood itself is a season of your life, right? Your life didn't begin when you had your first baby. You likely already led a life full of curiosity and boredom, love, disappointment, challenges, growth, before you even thought about having children. And now you're in a season of motherhood, and motherhood itself has seasons. Just as the seasons of nature change, so too does motherhood. And each season has its unique challenges and beauty. And even though we have dates on our calendar for when each season begins, the world doesn't actually care about our calendar and often there's not a noticeable difference from one day to the next, right? The world doesn't flip a switch and then one day it's autumn, no going back to summer. No, we know that the transitions between each season, there are days when it feels like we've moved on to the next one and then whoosh, back we go. A few months ago here in Virginia, we had several weeks of chilly weather in October, right? And I was getting all excited about my pretty wool scarves and cozy sweaters, and then whoosh, we had a warm spell the last week of October where it was sunny and in the mid 80s. My birthday's on the 30th and I wore a tank top and shorts when I was out running errands. It's the same in motherhood. Sometimes there are seasons that feel like they will never end, particularly in the early years when it's really draining on your physical body. Sometimes it feels like you've moved on from a season and then there's like this regression, right? The sleepless night season, for example, is my least favorite season of motherhood. Whether you have a newborn who needs to feed every few hours, or you have a toddler who needs you to lie on the floor next to them and gently rub their back until they fall asleep, or you have a preschooler who likes to climb into bed with you at 2.45 in the morning, and then you have to walk them back down the hall, you stub your toe on their dresser, and then you fall asleep with them in their tiny little bed, and you wake up with a cramped neck, the sleepless night season is just hard. But eventually it does end. You might not notice it at first, but one day you realize you've slept all night in your own bed without anyone waking you up. 
And then before you know it, you actually can't remember the last time you rocked your little one to sleep. And you're feeling both relieved because, oh my God, sleep is just so delicious and life is so much easier after a good night's sleep. And you're also devastated because, oh my gosh, now your baby is getting older and maybe you even secretly miss the midnight cuddles at least a little bit. So we can think of the seasons of motherhood as representing different stages and phases in a mother's journey, and they mirror the cyclical nature of life. These seasons aren't progressively linear. You might be in different seasons at the same time. Some seasons will repeat themselves. Sometimes they're out of order. Which is why metaphors are an extremely convenient way of conveying ideas, because they aren't literal, and we can take lots of liberties here. So here's a brief overview of how the seasons align with the experience of mothering with some examples. I'll start with spring and work us through to winter and then that's where we'll spend the most time today since we are just about to hit the literal winter of the year, right? Okay, so spring is new beginnings. Your spring motherhood season is that early stages of motherhood and it's often marked by the birth or the adoption of a child. It's a time of excitement, growth, adaptation, You know, mothers are nurturing new life and their days are filled with wonder and discovery. This is the period of matrescence, which I've talked about before. It's that transition period of conception, pregnancy and birth or adoption and early motherhood. So here are some mothering milestones that could be considered the spring of motherhood. The first time mom, right? A new mother's spring season is really marked by the wonder of holding your newborn for the first time. And you're navigating all these new challenges like feeding a baby and the sleepless nights and family dynamics changing, right? And then you're adapting to these demands of like round-the-clock care. Uh, The blended family. So spring can also be experienced in the context of blended families where a mother might be welcoming a stepchild into her life. Or you're adjusting to new family dynamic this way, finding ways to bond and connect with new relationships. The second time mom or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, right? Any, a mother who welcomes another child into her family experiences a new spring season with the birth of her second or any subsequent child, children. The period of matrescence happens with each new child. Even while you might be in a different season with your older children, you're still experiencing that renewal, that identity shift, right? Every time you bring a new human being into the world that you have to relate to grandmotherhood. As a mother becomes a grandmother, she might revisit the joys of early motherhood while supporting her own child in their parenting journey. And this includes rediscovering passions, right? So mothers who are just coming out of a winter season of mothering, maybe now they're new empty nesters, and and we'll get into that, they can find a spring season where they're rekindling their own interests, their hobbies, and self-discovery. This is what I think of as one of those transition periods, right? Like, it's late winter and it's cold but suddenly there's this sunny day and the snow is sparkling and the air is bright and refreshing and you know spring is coming see how awesome this metaphor is it applies to so much so i feel like i'm definitely in a spring season with this podcast right everything seems new and fresh and full of opportunity so that rediscovering passions is part of this spring feeling okay let's move on to summer so summer is marked by growth and nurturing Summer in motherhood symbolizes the seasons of active parenting. Mothers are focused on nourishing and uh, nurturing their children, both physically and emotionally. And it's really a time of 
There's a time of a lot of activity. You're building bonds. You're experiencing the joys of watching your children thrive. And just like the summer season, the literal summer season, which is full of vacations and camps and trips to the pool or the playground, summer motherhood it is kind of an exhausting season. There's just so much going on. So some phases of summer mothering might look like the school years, right? This is where I am right now. For mothers of school-aged children, summer might entail, you know, you're helping your children with their homework, you're helping them with extracurricular activities, social development. This can involve juggling school events, play dates, helping with homework, getting the emails from the parents to bring in a donation. This is the season of motherhood I'm mostly in right now with three kids aged 14, 11, and 8. I finished those early newborn days, which were intense in their own way, but I feel like these last few years have really been intense as I am super involved in my kids' lives, probably more so than I need to be. But, you know, I try to volunteer with the PTO. I try and come into the classrooms when I can. I'm really involved in my kids' lives, and there's just a lot that schools ask of parents these days, and I'm helping plan birthday parties and play dates, and it just feels like very active. So working mothers in their summer season are simultaneously nurturing their careers and their children at the same time. You know, you might be at a point in your career where maybe you've been there for 10 or 15 years, you're considered a leader in your industry, you've got a lot of opportunities going on, um, it, it feels really exciting and, and there's a lot happening, while at the same time you're still getting the emails from school saying, hey, can you come volunteer at the Valentine's Day party, right? There's just... It's a juggling act of you're balancing work and family and personal life, and there's a lot going on. It's very busy. This includes mothers who start their own businesses, right? Maybe you're nurturing and growing a business while also raising your children. And then uh, continuous learning. So, you know, children grow out of the early childhood phases, and then mothers continue to support their academic and personal development, and they enter these new phases of growth throughout their lives. So it's like how some plants bloom well in early summer and some wait until late summer to bloom. There's not, again, a defined point of which you are in the summer and then you're out of the summer. It's like my 14-year-old cannot wait to be able to drive and we have started letting him drive the car to the end of our street or, you know, practice backing up the driveway. This new phase is very nerve-wracking and exciting and full of potential. Right, so parenting doesn't stop when children become teens or even young adults. Mothers are continuing to nurture and guide and support their children as they navigate adulthood. And now we get into fall, which is marked by kind of letting go. Fall in motherhood corresponds to this period when children begin to gain that independence, like starting school or adolescence or starting college. It can be a really challenging season as mothers do have to learn to let go and allow their children to explore the world on their own, which is the whole point of mothering, but it's still really hard. Fall is really, it is a time of transition and adjustment like spring, but unlike spring, it doesn't always have that sense of newness and wonder. Sometimes there can be a lot of grief about feeling like you're actually getting to the end of a period in your life. So here are some milestones of fall motherhood. The college send-off. For mothers experiencing the fall season, sending their children off to college can be both bittersweet and challenging. It's time to let go, to trust their kids to make decisions, and to adapt to an empty nest. Teenage independence. Mothers with teenagers entering their fall season now have to navigate their children's growing need for autonomy while still offering guidance and support. You know, 
And the mothers of teenagers today were really navigating social media, internet use. Um, kids have really big worries today about climate change. And there's a lot of adjustment in helping your teen grapple with these very adult topics, even while their brains aren't fully quite developed yet to handle the nuances and complexities and emotional depth of some of these topics. Also, you know, launching adult children, transitioning either to moving out, getting married, um, having their children, like these are all, this fall is like helping this transition happen. And then life transitions in your own world, right? Maybe other major life changes. Maybe you're changing careers, getting a divorce, moving states. It can evoke this fall season of letting go of one phase of life in order to be able to embrace another one. A quick break in our programming to let you know that Rebel Mothers is brought to you by Mother Bloom Coaching, now accepting new clients for 2024. Imagine yourself in three months, happier and more patient with your kids, confidently setting boundaries with family, and actively contributing to a more equitable future for all mothers and children. It's life coaching tailored for rebel moms, and Mother Bloom covers it all. Work-life balance, partner support, generational healing, and more. Our live one-on-one coaching calls become a weekly self-care treat just for you. Plus, enjoy an exclusive friends and family discount when you sign up by the end of the year. Ready to elevate your mom game in 2024? Visit susiefishleader.com and click on Motherhood Coaching to join the motherhood revolution. And so winter. Winter represents the season of rest, reflection, and renewal. It's a time for mothers to, you know, really recharge, reflect on their journey, and make personal growth a priority. It's an opportunity to prepare for the next season, whether that might mean further supporting your children or focusing on personal goals. So of course, right now we're heading into literal winter, and this is a great example of how the seasons of motherhood do not correspond exactly to the seasons of nature, because while the metaphor of winter is a time of rest and reflection, it sometimes feels impossible to engage in rest and reflection as a mother of young children at any time of the year. For the last few years, you know, the cold, dark days of winter come, and the snow makes everything really quiet, and everything is peaceful and still in the world, my world is still super active with like noise and color and light and sound. And instead of like sitting by the window and quietly reflecting on the year or letting myself prepare for spring, I spend my winters finding boots and snow pants, making hot chocolate. And remember when you have three kids, it's not just making hot chocolate. One kid needs extra marshmallows, one kid wants extra whipped cream, and one kid wants extra chocolate. So I'm I spend winters, you know, refereeing snowball fights. I'm asked to judge which snowman is the best, and I have to gather arts and crafts to stave off boredom and deal with snow days and cancellations. There's very little time for introspection because right now I'm in the summer of motherhood, even when it's winter outside. But let's take a look at some examples of metaphorical winter motherhood. The most obvious one is the empty nest transition. We talked a little bit about this in fall. The fall season is like that initial adjustment, while the winter is the reality that your child does not live with you anymore. And every mother has their own different reaction to being an empty nester. It's often really complex, really layered. This might have been a long transition, right? Maybe you had a child who went away every year to college, but they came home in the summers. Or maybe they finished high school and went straight to a career, but they lived with you for a few years as a young adult. 
saving up for you know a home or to get married so you both had to navigate what living with an adult child would looks like right or maybe it was a super quick transition they graduated high school left the house and never looked back and if you have multiple kids just like you experienced a different matrescence when they were born you might go through this winter season multiple times as each of them leave the house so the experience of being an empty nester unfolds uniquely for each mother and i haven't gone through this yet personally my oldest is still in middle school so i reached out to my good friend dusty Uh, He wrote this beautiful tribute to this period of life when his daughter left for college. He gave me permission to read it here. He posted it on Facebook. Uh, He has this really amazing way with words, and I think it really captures the complexity of emotions during this winter transition. So this is what Dusty wrote. I'm going to tell you exactly what is going to happen. You'll get back in the car, and it will be too quiet. The back seat will be too big. The auxiliary cord will be too available. When you get home, your house will be too neat. Your grocery bill will be too small. Their room will smell too good. They will call, a little bit or a lot, and your throat will catch when you see their name on your phone because it will remind you that everything's different now. You'll spend time with friends, and for a while, it will be all you talk about. Your friends will be kind. Some will understand. You'll have moments where no one is sure if this was the right place, the right time, and it will make you nauseous and sleepless, which is a bad combination, And then those will become fewer and farther between until they're gone. They'll come home and you'll pace the floor until they pull into the driveway and you'll hug them so hard and wonder how the hell you'll ever possibly say goodbye to them all over again tomorrow or two days from now or next week. But you'll sleep so well with them tucked in again right down the hall. Eventually, it will feel real that they just don't live with you full time anymore. And that will feel like a gut punch. And then you'll get over it. And while all this is happening, you'll discover new relationships where you are, or rediscover old ones. You'll work, you'll stay up late, or go to bed early. You'll try that recipe you never wanted to bother with. You go to the doctor a lot, because let's be honest, it's that time of life. You'll probably get a colonoscopy, maybe a couple new hobbies. And then they'll come home again, and they'll tell you about their friends, and their classes, and their job, and their favorite coffee shop, and their Trader Joe's runs, and the hikes, and the skiing, and the farmer's markets, and, 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 and then you'll use all that to remind yourself forever how your job is and always has been to prepare them for this. And it will be great, because you'll know you did it. To all my friends delivering kids for college for the first time this week, or next, or whenever soon, I see you. You can do it. It's the best feeling you can have while also kind of being on the verge of throwing up for a month straight. Wasn't that great? Thank you, Dusty. So when the first child leaves the house, there's probably a whirlwind of emotions. It's a mixture of pride, nostalgia, or, you know, a subtle or maybe not so subtle undercurrent of grief. It's the realization that a chapter of your life marked by daily nurturing and guidance has come to an end. And while it can be challenging, it also offers newfound freedom and opportunities for self-discoveries. However, when the last child leaves and you truly become an empty nester, it's probably a different, more intense flavor of emotions. The home, once full of youthful energy and noise, is suddenly much quieter. The energy is different. Some mothers might feel a sense of loss as their role transitions into a new phase of support and mentorship and others might embrace this newfound independence and eagerly reconnect with their own passions and interests. You might feel both at the same time. The response varies, but it's likely not uncommon for most mothers to engage in a period of reflection. 
And during this winter season, mothers with empty nests have that opportunity to just sort of sit and quietly reflect on their parenting journey. Maybe ask, you know, a range of questions to gain clarity and navigate this new phase of life. Asking questions like, what's next for me? How do I redefine my relationship with my now adult children? What lessons did I learn in motherhood and how can I apply them to this next season? So that's the empty nest example of being in the winter of motherhood. Another winter experience is second chance motherhood, right? Some mothers experience a winter season in the form of second chance motherhood through adoption or having children later in life. This phase can bring a really unique perspective, you know, a focus on balance and an appreciation for the moments that truly matter. If you're an older mother, you come to your mothering journey with more life lessons that you bring to motherhood out of your own life experience and wisdom gained over the years. You have a greater sense of patience, empathy, and understanding, which can contribute to a calmer and more nurturing parenting approach. Your life lessons can serve as valuable guidance, offering a steadying hand for your children's own journeys. And, you know, that joy of embracing motherhood later in life can also help you feeling youthful as you're challenged to keep up with the energy and the curiosity of your children. It's an opportunity to enjoy the beauty of a different life phase. You're growing up alongside your little ones. So another subject, another winter motherhood is a little bit harder, bereavement and grief, right? This is definitely a winter season that many mothers have to deal with, coping with miscarriage, coping with the loss of a child or your parenting partner or another loved one can bring on that prolonged winter season marked by rest, self-care, and deep introspection. And I want to tell you the story of my own miscarriage. So when my firstborn was about 18 months old, I was still breastfeeding him occasionally and I hadn't got my period back yet. Now we were ready to start trying to get pregnant again, so I thought, okay, I should probably start weaning him. One of my friends jokingly suggested that maybe I was already pregnant. So I took a pregnancy test and sure enough, it was faintly positive. I was thrilled, but I also had no idea how far along I was since I had no idea when I had actually ovulated. So I made an appointment with my midwife. We started sharing our news with close friends and family. But when we showed up to the appointment, my midwife did an ultrasound and we couldn't find a heartbeat. She was unconcerned at first. She thought, maybe it's just too early. You know, I made a follow-up appointment two weeks later because again, I wasn't sure when I had ovulated. And I can tell you those two weeks totally sucked because now I was worried. And then sure enough, at our follow-up appointment, there was still no heartbeat. I had just miscarried. I looked it up actually just now, and as many as 50 to 75% of pregnancies end before getting a heartbeat, most people don't even know they're pregnant. I just happened to take that pregnancy test right in the window of having a small amount of pregnancy hormones. And then another week or so went by, but my body didn't release the miscarriage on its own. And again, at this point, it's been like a month and, you know, nothing has happened. So my midwife and I discussed options and she ended up prescribing Cytotec so I could pass the miscarriage at home. I remember picking up the prescription and the pharmacist looking at me in disgust. He said, are you pregnant? And I didn't realize what he was insinuating and I was already really hurting. So I just said, no, I'm not like really quietly. And then he sort of slammed the box down on the counter and he said, well, because if you are, you won't be after taking this. And I still didn't get that he was being so heartless and cruel because he thought I was having an abortion and he was super judging me. And at that point, I was just shocked and hurt. Like, yeah, I'm not pregnant. I really wanted to be and now I'm not. And now I have to go through this shitty experience at home. So thanks a lot for your support, dickhead. 
And of course, I didn't say that because I'm a perpetual people pleaser, but that memory still makes me really mad. You guys, this whole thing sucked so much. This was definitely a winter period of introspection and rest and grief. I told some close friends and family what was happening, but for the most part, I kept it all to myself. I had a friend tell me, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, at least it was early on, so you didn't get too attached. And I know her heart was in the right place, but it really made me feel like because it was such an early pregnancy, I didn't really deserve to grieve, you know? And then in my really dark moments, I was sure it was the universe's way of telling me I was actually a terrible mother and unfit to have any more children. And I had really struggled with this after my emergency C-section for my firstborn, right? I had this belief that because my body didn't go into labor before 42 weeks, and then even after being induced and going through labor for 24 hours, I hadn't dilated enough and my baby's heartbeat was dropping and I needed a cesarean. All that meant that actually I wasn't supposed to be a mother. Now, of course, we know that's completely untrue. And I just had your textbook over-medicalized birth experience. And have no fear, we will absolutely be talking about that in future episodes. But all of this really contributed to a pretty dark period after my miscarriage where I really sat with this feeling that I didn't deserve children. Like I was fundamentally flawed and incapable of being a mother. And I know that some of you out there are hearing this and thinking, well, that sounds a little dramatic. But I know that even more of you hear this and you're nodding quietly to yourself in recognition. One of the reasons I became a motherhood coach is because of how many times I heard similar stories over years of working with mothers in, in yoga and everything. And I know that there are so, so many mothers out there who have their own story of grief and loss and stories that are far more heartbreaking and terrible and tragic than, than mine. And we just don't talk about it enough. I have a good friend who lost her husband unexpectedly a few years ago. They have three small boys and the death of her husband was so shocking and upsetting for all of us. And she has been incredible at speaking up about being a widow and her grief and her loss. And I really admire her for that. So I try to share my story of miscarriage as much as I can to help normalize the experience of grief and loss in motherhood. And there's, you know, a happy, I mean, my next pregnancy, I was able to carry to term. I had my second baby and I had no issues with my last pregnancy either. But navigating this bereavement and this grief and motherhood is often a solitary journey. So this season marked by, you know, sorrow and reflection can sometimes be misunderstood by those who haven't walked that path. And I think it's really a testament to the strength of mothers and to the resilience of the human spirit that we can emerge from these dark winters. We can go through the dark night of the soul. We find strength and compassion in sharing our stories, supporting one each other, and realizing that we're not alone in our struggles. But the winter season of mothering isn't all loss and grief. Winter mothering is also a time of wonderment. By the time our kids have made a life for themselves, perhaps they're starting their own family or they have an exciting career, just because the most intense season of motherhood in your life is ending, you're still thinking about your grown kids. You're wondering. You're wondering if they have, if they're really doing what makes them happy and fulfilled. Wondering if they're safe and healthy and making wise decisions. And seeing your own children mature and appreciate the home they grew up in is heartening, as is hearing about all their new experiences. You know, watching them as they begin to form these mature adult bonds with their siblings and maybe with you is one of the most satisfying aspects of parenting. I remember calling my mom shortly after my first was born and like, oh my gosh, 
thank you so much <laughs> for everything that you did for me when I was a little baby because now I see, I see how much love and care you put into raising me. And I hadn't ever been appreciative of that before, right? So it's possible that once your children become parents of their own, you might finally get some appreciation for all the hard work you put into mothering. Winter motherhood really brings this hard-earned, glorious state of wonderment and this incredible gift that we've been given to be mothers and that we've worked so hard at throughout the years. And so you can mothers can really reflect back upon each season and celebrate the incredible road traveled while raising these beautiful people who are now full-grown. So to wrap this up, to bring this episode to a close, just remembering that the seasons of motherhood cycle through the diverse experiences and emotions that mothers face. And each season has its own unique challenges, beauty, and opportunities for growth. Motherhood is not a static experience. It's a continuous dynamic journey. And just like the seasons can be experienced over and over each year, different seasons can show up in motherhood repeatedly. These seasons of motherhood aren't linear or rigid. They can overlap, repeat, or occur out of order. And it's a reminder that motherhood is an ever-changing journey filled with growth, adaptation, and transformation. And just like the seasons in nature don't adhere to the calendar, the seasons of motherhood don't always follow a fixed schedule either. Every mother's journey is unique, influenced by her own circumstances, experiences, and the children she's raising. So whether you find yourself in the spring of new beginnings, the summer of growth and nurturing, the fall of letting go, or the winter of rest and reflection, remember that you are part of a larger community of mothers who have experienced similar seasons and emotions. And by sharing our stories and offering support, we can help one another navigate the complexities of motherhood and celebrate the beauty of each season, recognizing that it's a profound, ever-changing journey of wonder and growth. Stay tuned for more empowering stories and insightful discussions in future episodes of Rebel Mothers. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast to spread the message far and wide. Learn more at suzyfishleader.com. And thank you for being part of the motherhood revolution.